What's going on, boys and girls? We have a really great episode of Two White Lights for you. We had a very special guest on Barzine Fazeri at Fattest Illinois Lifter. Terrific interview with him. He's he's just a great guy and a great, great, great powerlifter as well. But but before we get into that, I want to talk to you guys about Rivalus. Rivalus is a sponsor of the co-host formerly known as Enzo, and I love their products. A lot of people love their products as well. We just did a giveaway. I've only gotten positive feedback from the pre-workout I gave out. also gave some protein powder, some clean gainers, some native pro in there too. Check out Rivalus.net. Use promo code Angelo15. Purchase whatever supplement you need to maximize your performance, whether it be creatine, personal favorite of mine, protein powders, branched amino acids, you name it, they got it. Use promo code Angelo15, get 15% off your purchase. I recently just bought their fruity cereal and cinnamon toast cereal protein powders. It's seriously like drinking the milk after you had cinnamon toast crunch or fruit loops. That is the best part of cereal, debatable, but it's the best part of cereal is drinking the milk afterwards with that flavor in it. That's what the protein tastes like. Use promo code Angelo15 and get 15% off of your purchase. All right, and now here is two white lights. Sunday, May 19th, Game yes, of Thrones Day. When you guys is, listen to the show... This is the finale, isn't it? It's the finale of a very disappointing Season 8. Two White Lights is here. We're feeling good. We're on FaceTime right now. Yeah, this is not the final episode. This is not the final season. We're just getting started, bitch. We are. We thought we had the final episode back in December, but we're back. We've been back. No, we prefaced that we were going, or we mentioned that we were going to continue the show uh, somehow, yeah, some way. We said this is the last episode for a while. <laughs> for a while, and we, we did not lie. Re- for back. a while is a relative term. It we is, were back in January, June or something. Or uh, January, we'll, we'll talk uh, about February. powerlifting relativity at some point today. Yeah, for sure. But Two White Lights got a really exciting show today. Yes. Uh, we had a terrific interview. That's going to take up a bulk of the show, about an hour. So segments will be a little short today, which is good because I think the interview had enough content, enough information, enough stories in it to satisfy all of our lovely Two White Lights listeners. We, we legit could do this intro and do the and do the interview, and it, it would be probably one of our best shows. For sure. In, um, in my personal opinion. Yeah, we had uh, Barzin Fazeri on the show at Fattest Illinois Lifter, so we're going to get to that. After we get into our opening segments, we have a Two White Lights question of the week. We have not we done do that in a while. We haven't. Uh, and we have Larry Wheels did something. But first, <laughs> yeah, but Larry Wheels did something, then didn't do something, or took back what he yeah. did. So, uh, before we get into all that, in order to stay relevant in this sport, because every single powerlifting media outlet, uh, strength page, bodybuilding page, has to cover this, our hero, fitness god, Legend in so, American history, I'm going to say. Yeah, I mean, in the in the cavalcade of, of everything, I mean, this guy has kind of transcended all, I mean, from movies to sport to politics, and someone took a shot at the king. 
Someone took a shot at the king. So if you guys haven't seen, which I'm pretty sure you have because it's everywhere, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, powerlifting or uh, bodybuilding Jesus, fitness Jesus, yep. was drop kicked at a uh, at Arnold at the Arnold Festival in South Africa by yep. just a random fan, and it was bizarre to say the Very. least. He was just watching jump rope or something. So he was watching one of the competitions at, you know, we talked about, yeah, we talked about this at the Arnold in Columbus here in the U.S. And, you know, they do all these different competitions. There's, like, usually anywhere from 20 to 30 at each Arnold. Yeah. And jump, yeah, jump rope ring. I think this one was for speed. I remember seeing this at the Arnold at the Columbus Convention Center. Yeah. Um, Not the actual competition. Actually, I did did see it. Uh, But, yeah, he was there. He's filming. And you see some people, like, in the background. There's, There's two shots of this. And you see this guy wave, and then, I don't know, probably 30, 40 seconds later, it looks like same dude comes in and drop kicks him. Mm-hmm. Arnold is pushed forward. Yeah. And It looked like and it was a hard drop kick from that video. From that, from the one from the front, yeah, when you see Arnold's face. But then the one from the from the rear, when you see the guy come in, Arnold just looks like he got pushed a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, I, with the running start the guy got, and actually, I'm going to say, pretty good technique on the drop kick. Yeah, I've watched enough wrestling to know that this guy had some idea on how to drop kick a drop kick a dude. So not bad, yeah. not bad with the technique. He just didn't seem to move or budge him. Which, if you get a free shot, and I, I guess he should do a little bit more. Um, yeah, I don't know the motives <laughs> behind his drop kick. The, 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 the no clue, no clue what's happening. Was he was dra- he was drug away screaming something about a Lamborghini. Really. Yeah, I'm not kidding. I'm okay, not so it's just high, probably. Very maybe. Um. Okay. Well, that's well, that's interesting. But yeah, I, I don't know if he thought he was at like a WWE show or something, and this occasionally happens in South Africa, because a house yeah, show. Yeah, that's what I kind of heard. Yeah, a house show like a while ago. Um, like a local South African wrestler, after a match, went up to low blow Randy Orton. And Randy Orton fucking sold for him, which was awesome. He legit was like, as a professional should. Do. Yeah, he did. He he's like, I'm in character right now. I'm a wrestler. I'm selling for every low blow that I get. And then he noticed like, oh shit, I don't know if we're running a gimmick or a angle here. There's just some crazy fan. So yeah, that happens in South Africa. Arnold took it like a champ. He didn't move. He obviously did it with the charisma and humor that you would expect. Or handled it with the charisma or humor to expect. Said he didn't mess up his Snapchat, and he's happy about that. Uh, watch yep. a karate expo or a competition today, and he's like, hopefully no one comes and kicks me or something. So, uh, yeah, he he tweeted something about the guy. Like, I hope somebody gets some ice for his foot or something like yeah. that, which I found very humorous. Yeah. Uh, it's like, go Arnold. So, yeah, yeah Arnold's overall, okay, though. Arnold's okay. He is, he is. He's a national treasure. He must be protected. And speaking of that, security, where were you at? Yeah, what the... Well, here's what I'm kind of weirded out on, or just confused on. When I saw Arnold at at Columbus, and all the videos of Arnold, he is surrounded by security. security. Like, you can't touch him. You can't get close enough to fucking fart on the guy as opposed to who... Right. Like, I... At this at this event, security did they not want to make the trip to South Africa? Could they not get enough security? Because he's just kind of out there in the public. It seemed like it, yeah. I mean, he had a couple guys. You see some big dudes flanking him in in the video that's from his his rear. Yeah. Uh, but just not, you know, definitely the situational awareness you would anticipate 
hired security to have was not there. Yeah, uh, I was very, very surprised by that due to me just seeing and hearing stories of when you see a bunch of security guards come in suits, pushing people out of the way, you know Arnold's coming yeah. at the Arnold. So yep. that's that's, that's how you know Arnold's coming when he when yep. he's got the security around him and they yeah that's what they all said it's like I, I couldn't even get close enough to the guy to fucking take a picture with him as opposed to touch him and this guy yeah. gets a full on well, Owen Hart style drop kick on his ass he caught him when Arnold was stationary you know, okay. he's at one of the events if Arnold's at one of the events it's a lot easier to to get closer and shake hands you know he's kind of doing the the politician thing where he's engaging with people but yeah when he's moving through the events oh you, you cannot get anywhere near the guy no you can't that's why I was surprised to see that. But, um, yeah. Uh, I guess the security dropped the ball on that one. They did. But, they did. but Arnold's okay. He will he will live to, to lift another day, and, and we're all happy for that. He is. And uh, before we got into the interview with Barzine, he told us about uh, – he's like, it reminded me of that ICP Fred Durst thing. <laughs> yes. And, yeah, uh, if you guys are wondering – yeah, if you guys want to see a fucking hilarious video – Search ICP Fred Durst, and you'll see one of the fucking guys on ICP. There's, like, two of them, I think. Uh, Whichever yeah, so. one did this, he tried to dropkick Fred Durst and just fucking missed completely. And it was the greatest failed dropkick I've ever seen in dropkick history. So, Beautiful. Yeah, it was. Speaking of Barzine, we had a fantastic interview with him. We did. Uh, and first of all, just, you know, thank you, Barzine, for taking the time with us. Uh, I know you, you don't have to, you've got all their stuff that, that you're doing and, uh, just great way to package kind of everything, you know, talking about, and I'm not going to steal his thunder just mm-hmm. from benching to just, you know, life. I and mean, there's a good lot of, I encourage our listeners, listen to this interview two or three times. There's a lot of great nuggets in here, uh, that you can take and, and apply to a lot of different areas. And that speaks volumes to just, again, how, thoughtful and intelligent bars is when it comes to a lot of different areas yeah for sure uh it was a really interesting interview that covered a lot so covered a lot of powerlifting gave a little life advice too, some dad advice as well food advice great it was great interview so without further ado here is barzine fizzeri all right as promised we have the fattest illinois lifter barzine (laughs) fizzeri one of the best benchers in the world right now. Also an extremely accomplished full power power lifter. Uh, multiply power lifter. It's an honor having you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Man. Good yeah. to be here. Yeah, it was one thing that Bane was super excited to have you on. Um, I met you once and I'm like, this fucking guy's awesome. <laughs> I, want, I want him on the show, especially because down to earth, strong as fuck, and... And apparently give me some advice on food, which is good. I need yeah, to well, we'll do best. So, uh, yeah, so I, I'm excited to do a, a, a bigger intro. You know, when I first met Barzine, it was at the uh, 2015 Illinois State Meet. Uh, mutual friend of ours, Jake Stratton, another very strong mm-hmm. lifter who I would love to get on the show sometime. Um, met, J- met Jake at the hotel. He said, hey, we're going to go meet some friends. And this enormous man meets us in the restaurant. Uh, it's one of the things, if, you, if you've never met Barzine, he's, you know, but physically, what are the stats for? You're six five. Like, I, I, let's call it six four. Six, six four. four. Change. Okay. Let's call it six five. That's wrong. Right. Yeah. I'm calling yeah, it six, six five. five. Oh, yeah. six five By the way, I am severely undersized in this room right now. <laughs> My beard is severely undersized. So yeah, there you it's, go. It's, uh, it's the infuriated complex is 
okay. right now. That's okay. <laughs> got a hand tucked in your shirt like Napoleon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to start talking much louder than I usually do and start just talking over Bane. There, that'll work, man. So, uh, you know, we eat, and you know, one of the things that Barzine is famous for, I actually learned about two theories that I was not aware of, and that was the body by Barzine theory, uh, just eating and gaining strength and also food gravity. I was not aware of this oh, um, until that, that night, and uh, it was a very interesting theory, one that I'll, you know, let Barzine elaborate on a little bit, but... <laughs> Uh, since then, I've gotten a chance to just follow you from a lifting perspective. We see each other at events, uh, you know, a variety of different times. And what was really cool is the, the next year, I'm at a uh, concert at my kid's school. And in walks your wife, because she's the orchestra teacher, yeah. at my kid's middle school. And uh, so I've gotten a chance to get to know Kristen a little bit. And I, I just really want to impress on everybody, Bars is an, an amazing lifter, incredibly accomplished, uh, phenomenal educator. He can break things down and, and educate you on pretty much anything that I've ever experienced. Uh, as far as I can tell, great husband. I mean, Chris is still around, so and uh, look <laughs> good on Facebook. I mean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, wonderful father, and it's honestly one of my favorite humans. And so I just really want to take the chance to say, ladies and gentlemen, Barzine Vaziri, welcome to the show, man. Hey, okay, thanks. I appreciate you guys having me. Definitely, it'll be fun. Definitely. So uh, let's dive right in. Uh, you know, we got some questions uh, that I kind of prepped you for already, and so I think you're ready for that. But sure. um, just give us your background, man. Kind of how you, uh, you know, where you come from. Uh, you know, prior to lifting, and then kind of. Basically, take it up to when you kind of discovered the sport. Tell us about Barzine. Oh, man. Um, I grew up, I was always just a little scrawny kid and a musician. And uh, from, from around the Chicagoland area, where from? No, no. We moved all over the country. My dad's a, a nuclear physicist who runs a division at Fermi. And mm-hmm. um, so we moved to government lab to government lab around the country. <clears throat> you know, we grew up in, we were born rather Los Alamos, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. So out in the desert, we moved from there to Boulder, Colorado for a while, so the mountains, uh, to Long Island, so we're living on the beach. So we moved here, and there's corn. So, I mean, the good Sorry thing. About that. No, no. The good thing about it is like, that's why there's good powerlifting. Like powerlifting comes out of miserable places. Yeah. You have like Ohio, Chicago, Russia. <laughs> yep. So, I mean, if we had mountains, we'd be out doing something fun and not painful. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know? That's <laughs> yeah. One of the first Barzinisms. You guys can get a lot out of this one. So. Yeah, man. Um, but I was just a musician my whole life. I started mm-hmm. playing violin before I turned three, um, and I was just on that track mm-hmm. and. uh when I was like 15, I, I fractured my neck in a car accident. And, oh, wow. uh, I won't get into the whole story. It's kind of funny. I thought I was dead. I like, walked down the street a little bit. They found me walking down the road, kind of, kind of mangled a little bit. Jeez. And, uh, I uh, took a chunk out of my knee, fractured my neck. They didn't think it was fractured at the time. So like, oh, you have whiplash. You're fine. Oh, wow. Deal. But, uh, you know, if you ever hang out, like this constant sniffling and smash my sinuses up, you know. Sure, sure. But, um, you know, it was, uh, the rehab from that. A good buddy of mine was in a coma for about a month and he got out and, he had to start going to the gym, kind of putting some size back on. I'm a competitive jerk. So I'm like, well, if we're going to go to the gym, man, let's go. Yeah. I want to be stronger than you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, being the stronger than my buddy turned into being stronger than everyone else at the gym turned into being stronger than, you know. And uh, it, was, it was about that time. I was actually lucky to have that experience because um, I, I wasn't a great person at that time. You know, like most kind of kids are kind of selfish. You can't see past the end of your own nose, sure, you know. Sure. You're worried about yourself. And uh, as I was kind of recovering from the, the whole car accident thing, I, I realized that I hadn't done anything with my life. Yeah. And, um, I started setting goals for myself. The first one was to, to be a decent person, be a better friend to people. Okay. Um, past that was to get my life in. My grades were terrible. And, uh, from there I ended up going to college and a scholarship for music. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, lifting was, uh, was the third goal. And, sure. Uh, it, it's gone okay. <laughs> you know? it seems to have, seems yeah. to have. So. so I did my own thing for like five years. Uh, I ended up putting up a, a whole 13, 15 total. My nice, first meet nice. at, at 242 raw. And, yeah. uh. Wait, wait, rewind. 1315 at 242. Yeah, yeah. I, I got a... God damn it. He beat me by 16 pounds. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. 
But, uh, but yeah, man, that's the thing, like, cause everyone sees me now at like 6'4 and, you know, 350 most of the year. Yeah. And like, man, I graduated high school at 165 pounds. Like, that was after a year of lifting, I was 165 pounds. It took me to like... Man, I thought Drew was small. Well, I think, yeah. based on that, cause you said you were quite the... I was 140, sl- yeah. So I, I was heavier than both these two in high school. When I was 18 yeah. years old, I was around 185 pounds. Man, that's why. So, wild. and that's I lost it. I actually lost <laughs> yeah. it, so. And he's, and he's shorter than both of us. And yeah. If, yeah, if you guys look in this room right now, and you're like, who's the biggest guy in high school? It sure as shit, you wouldn't think it would be me. No. That's yeah. wild. But yeah, man, it took me like nine months to bench a plate. You know, yeah. just, just something I was not good at right away. Sure. And I think that was honestly a blessing, man, because, uh, because I had to always work at it. I had to always mm-hmm. be kind of, meticulous and read about it and learn about it, talk to people, and sure. uh, none of it came easy, which is is good, because yeah. I learned how to, and this is something we talk about with musicians, too, like musicians do better, tend to do better in school. Sure. You know, they call it the Mozart effect and sent, like, pregnant mothers CDs of Mozart and stuff. Yeah. It was the dumbest thing. And, <laughs> Baby but, uh, Mozart. You know, but it, but it turns out that uh, musicians do better in school because they learn how to be bad at stuff. Like, no one's good when you pick up a, an instrument or you pick up a, mm-hmm. a new piece of music. Yeah. It takes time to, like, woodshed stuff. So learning how to, like, slowly, methodically chip at something yeah. and not give up. I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's worked out well in life. It, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. So, so yeah, man, at 13, 15 total at 242 at my first meeting, that took... Man, that was after like five or six years of lifting to to get to 242. Wow, uh, that was coming up, and uh, I discovered the the Franz team right after that, and like so so I'll, I'll interrupt you all on that. Yeah, so yeah. so Ernie Fran, Franz, yeah. For people who don't know, man, yeah, uh, people need to know. I think some people do, some people don't. Okay, Give like me that. your impression of Ernie Franz. Ernie Franz, man, I met him when he was 71, and Ernie Franz at 71. I mean, by this point, he was past his prime. Ernie's prime, he was in his 50s, mm-hmm. benching, or, I'm sorry, uh, squatting and deadlifting over 800 back when, like, I mean, gear was like a singlet, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, like, the, the single ply was a singlet. Yeah. Single. And, I mean, like, guys missed, like, you know, Eddie Cohen, you know, they call him the GOAT, he's the greatest of all time. Like, yeah. the guy who had those records before Eddie, the ones that Eddie broke, were Ernie's. Right. Like, Ernie had, like, an 826 or an 832 squat or something like that at 220, you know? And Ernie was in his 50s when he did that. Yeah. So, I mean, he's the guy who started the APF. He's the guy who really pioneered monoliths and bench shirts and all this. Yeah. Uh, it was around. He's when he kind of brought it out. So, you know, I, little scrawny 242, I came into his gym in, like, September. Yeah. And uh, my next meet was in March. And I went from a 13-15 total to, like, a 17-60 total. Six months. It, yeah. Like, maybe seven or eight months. But, yeah, that's, about there. That's crazy. And it's to go from you know, being the biggest guy at, like, a commercial gym. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of guys, everyone online, like, oh, I'm the biggest guy in my gym. Like, oh, man, being the biggest guy at Planet Fitness can mean anything. Sure. I found the, <laughs> I found, you know, and that's not to poo on anybody, you know, but, like, I, I just, I I found the biggest group of absolute killers. And, like, you know, the top guy in there at that time was Jose Garcia. Mm-hmm. And for guys now, like. Legendary guy. Yeah, I mean, if you follow him, for guys who don't know Jose, like, if the WPO coming back now is wonderful. Uh, but the, Jose won the first, like, two or first three or something WPOs, like the old OG WPOs. Yeah. And, I mean, this was a guy who had, like, 259, I think, squatted, like, 1,100. And, I mean, so not a big guy. He's, like, 6'2 at 259. He's not, like, a 5'7", you know? Right, right. So, squatted 1,100. He never had a good bench. I'm sorry, Jose. Luckily, Jose doesn't have technology. I think. <laughs> if, if someone tells him about this, he might, like, I think he's got dial-up or something, an AOL disc or something. <laughs> He'll throw his flip phone at the wall. He'll, but, like... Um, He'll say, no, actually, damn, you are <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, but, I mean, the guy pulled, like, 880. And I was actually at a meet here, he pulled 880, man, and it was a charity meet we threw for Ron Fernando after he passed. He yeah. wanted to raise some money for his wife. Yeah. And, uh, he held, he hosted the meet. 
So he set up the gym at night. His, all of his help bailed on him. So he's at the gym for like two setting up the place. Again, the next day his helps bailed on him. So he spotted and loaded all day and then did like, he's like, oh, I signed up for deadlift only my own meat just to do one. And yeah. pulled like 865 on an opener. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I mean, this guy's just, just a monster, man. That's crazy. Super nice guy. Yeah. Down to earth. But like when, when you go from a commercial gym to like, okay, now there's a, now I'm the weakest guy there. They're, uh, Stephanie Van De Wege, mm-hmm. uh, one of the females there, man. I came into that gym with like a 425 squat and she was squatting like 700. <laughs> you know, she, she was like in her forties at that point in time. She's like a 165 or, um, it's unfortunate. Most of the internet's probably known her from the video where she falls forward as a monolith pulls her forward. Sure, sure. That 2012, uh, world in Vegas. But, uh, man, I mean, she was, just a mod. So yeah. to go from this to like, okay, these, so you're in deep water at that point. Yeah, this 165 female and her girlfriend who was like a 148, they're yeah. all squatting more than me and I better shape up. Let's go. So, so what runs through your head the first time you walk into a place like that? Um, well, the first time I walked into a place like that, you know, I'm like, well, cool. I'm a power lifter now. I'm going to go to this power lifting gym. I didn't know anything about Ernie's history. Yeah. So I walked in wearing an insert shirt and, uh, for people who don't know, like Ernie and Inzer had a massive lawsuit between each other over who invented the bench shirt first. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so, uh, Luckily, the guy at the front door, his name was Bobby. He's like, hey, uh, I know you don't know any better, but turn your shirt inside out or he'll kill you. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm terrified. Let's rock up. Rock yeah, solid, yeah. solid intro. It's a nice. wonderful intro. Okay. <laughs> but, uh. So you know it's serious, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, and that's the cool thing about it, you know, from all the years of traveling and lifting with other people, Ernie's got by far the simplest system. There's yeah. zero science to it. I mean, we, like, or accessory all the science to it. There's none of the science. It's just, this is just <laughs> what works. He doesn't do percentages. Like, we tried bringing boards to the gym and he would just throw them out. Like, you don't know the stuff. Like, like hey, what about bands? He's like, what? What? It's stupid. Like, Man, no. Bands are for music. Strong, yeah, like, we don't do these things. And he, he knew how to get people strong with it. Yeah. Um, by just pushing people. Yeah. So, it was super simple, super everything else. He got really sick of me really quick because I want to learn everything. Yeah. He's like, you have too many questions. So he made, <laughs> luckily, uh, Rudy Rosales, the guy who runs Overkill, mm-hmm. I was training there at the time. And Rudy, Rudy's been talking about getting, I'm doing air quotes in case you can't see. Rudy, I hope you hear this. Little fat jerk. But, uh, <laughs> man, Rudy's been getting back to powerlifting for like 12 years. But yeah. at that point, like 2007, 2008, like he was squatting 900 in the gym. Jeez. At like, I don't know, now he's like a little, it's like a fire hydrant, it's like 242. Yeah. But, yeah. um, I mean, fantastic squatter. Yeah. You know, but luckily Rudy, it's kind of like an engineer. He, he was able to break everything down. Like he took me under his wing and really sure. taught me about equipment, talked me about, you know, like the technique behind this, how we get this. Yeah. And he was the guy who kind of beat the stuff into my head. Cause I, if you ask too many questions, shut up and do it. <laughs> so would that be the, your biggest driver in making progress in the sport is finding another environment or a different environment? Yeah. With absolutely. great lifters. Uh, Louis Simmons of Westside Barbell, um, one of the, the best quotes I've ever heard from, uh, from anyone, but it came from him. Uh, he said, if you run with a lane, you'll get a limp. Yeah. And, uh, so, the, I mean, the biggest advice was like, oh, what can I do to get strong? What can I do to get strong? Like, find the strongest people in your area and just train with them. And it doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter what system they use. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you like them or hate It's just be with the strongest people and you'll get stronger. Yeah. And, uh, so when I went to this gym and suddenly I'm not even top 10, well, and there was a peck, there was a very clear pecking order there. Right, right. So it's like, okay, cool. Who's the next guy up? I just have to do more than him today. Yeah. And then who's the next guy up past that? I have to do more than that. So yeah. like, not like a negative way. You're not trying to like, but you know, as a lifter, like I want to know the next guy behind me is like at my heels because that's going to push me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's and a then, sink or swim scenario too when you get into those situations between competitiveness between your teammates. Mm-hmm. It's, and especially if they're really strong. 
Oh, like my football coach always do that. If you, you know, beat a dog, it's either they go into a corner and piss themselves or they come and attack at you. So yeah. it's very similar to a really good gym environment. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone wants to see each other succeed, so everyone's pushing each other. Like the same guy that you're trying to outdo is going to cheer for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're going to cheer for them to do more because it's, you know, everyone gets better. You That's, bet. So, so you come into this environment, you're training with the Franz team, and, you know, you're, as I said earlier, you're in deep water. Um, kind of walk through the progression, kind of how do they go? You can go, you know, meet by meet or just kind of how you know, things evolve for you. And obviously we're talking with Rudy about, uh, the gear and the equipment, kind of how, you know, talking about the next few years as you, as you kind of came up. Yeah. Um, just getting experience, um, and having this crew where like all of a sudden you've got guys who've got 20, 30 years in the sport who'll come to a meet with you right. and walk you through it. And when something goes wrong, they know what to do. Right. So to be in a position as an athlete and I don't want people to get all bent out of shape, like, oh, powerlifters aren't real athletes. Like, you know, guess what? If you treat, <laughs> if you treat it like that, you'll, you'll do better. Right. Um, I agree. It's not, a, you know, we're not athletes like a football player is, but you can treat it like this and you'll actually do better at sure. it. So, but to be in a position where you've got guys who've been there before you who know what to do and I can just put my head down, trust my advice and trust, mm-hmm. trust my teammates and just go. Right. And, um, you know, there's good value to that. You see that success from all the gyms that have got really solid coaching. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, I've traveled the country trying to learn from other people because I got to a, a point where, you know, I got my first pro total with Ernie. I started hitting my head against the wall because I'm like, man, why can't I make this next step? And uh, I had two really terrible meets. Dave mm-hmm. Hoff happened to be at both of them. And after both of them, he's like, please just come to West Side. Let me fix your squat. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why he, he chose to be kind to me that day. I don't know if he remembers even doing this. But sure. I was like, after the second one, I'm like, okay, yeah, please fix my squat. He's like, quit being a 1,000-pound a, a squatter the wrong way. Go back to being like an 800-pound squatter. Learn to do it right. And then you'll be an 1,100-pound squatter. Right. And sure enough, before I was done, I hit like an 11 in the gym. And uh, then the chunk of bone that came loose from my car accident at 15 sure. came loose, came loose out of my knee, and uh, that ended my squatting. But, uh, sure. no, I mean, it was just a, a step-by-step regression. So you do, like, the amateur, you know, nationals, then worlds, and then you do it again. And like, okay, well, what next? I started uh, my first, like, big open meet was uh, Best of the Best in the Midwest, mm-hmm. Al Caslow hosted. And uh, I don't even remember where I placed. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, it was well, one of those things where you're warming up and you're like, okay, cool. Like, this is Rob Leondo warming up on bench. This is Sean Frankel warming up to squat. <laughs> um, just some absolute monsters. You know, the, this is back when, like, Rick Hussey, like, the big iron crew was all there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Westside was there. Okay, it was like, okay like, I'm, I'm in it now. This is really cool. Sure. And looking back on it now, like, man, that was, as a kid coming up, like, I could have never handled that environment myself. Right. But having, like, Rudy there, having some of these other guys there, uh, Tom Carnegie was one of the guys who was there with us, who just, he's been in the sport so long. He just, when he says... Just take care of this. You'll be fine. Like, okay, I trust you. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing at that point, but <laughs> you guys do. And then the next progression past that, I was okay. Like, I've hit the end of what I can do with this system. And it was four years of 100% doing what Franz has us doing. Right. And so, hey, I've got to learn for myself now. Yeah. And that's that, you know, from as a beginner, get with any crew who's the strongest and do whatever they do. Right. The next step into, like, the intermediate phase is, like, okay, well, what is everyone else doing? Right. And uh, it's not like I don't want to read a hundred programs and try to do some other magazine. I want to actually go to these places. I want to actually talk to these people. Sure. Because um, like the different crews at Westside, like the, the the afternoon crew and the morning crew train differently. Like it's still the same system. It's still based on the same stuff. But right. like when I was able to go out and get a couple sessions in with uh, Dave Hoff, like they trained with a different pace, a different. It was still a hundred percent, and they're still just killing it. Right. But. It's a little bit different when I was able to go up there again with a friend and train with the morning crew with Louie. Mm-hmm. Like Louie tried to kill me. <laughs> it was it was an eye opening experience. Cause, and that's the thing too. Like, cause I've, 
and I was never like a regular at West Side, you know, but we'd go there a couple of times and train and we were at least welcomed there. Well, uh, welcome it's more than just like a guest, like, oh, can we come mm-hmm. in? You know, we're not like sightseers at the zoo. This is okay. We're, yeah. you're Band welcome. Of honor. Yeah. You can come here and train. Like the point where Louis gives you a shirt, like a West Side shirt and says, come back and train with us, get what we're doing. And then like, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's pretty cool. cool. Like, okay. Like, that's, that's when you get in the car, like, my, I made it. That made <laughs> that a lot. And honestly, like I got pushed harder at West Side than I've ever been pushed. Sure. Which is like, besides, like obviously his system works. It's proven. It does. Yeah. Um, it is, this is not to poop on that at all. But man, There's a movie about it. You can look, check it out. <laughs> yeah, like, if you haven't heard about it, I mean, I think it was on Joe Rogan. Like, he's yeah. done a, a couple of things in this sport. Yeah. Um, but more than anything, like, that environment there, like, having those people, that environment, that, that will push you so hard. But I feel like I actually learned more when I went to Laura Phelps' gym, or Lauren Shane, uh, Shane's mm-hmm. gym, uh, the sweatshop. You're right. Because they, it's the same system, but the way they understand it, the way they break it down made more sense to me. Okay. And Laura is an absolute, Laura and Shane are both super, super bright. Yeah. So like Louie tries to kill you and you either sink or swim. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to sink, I want to swim. So <laughs> I won't let this man kill me. And I, it was, it was a, a wonderful experience, but as far as stuff I could take home with me and process, then it could just be one of those like, you know what, Louie is, Louie and, it works for his team, but like for me to pick the brain, maybe I matched up better, or whatever. So, so would like, you say that was almost more survival versus anything else? Yeah, it, well, it gives you perspective too, man. Like when you, when everyone thinks they're hardcore until you go to an environment like that, you get yeah. pushed. Like by the point I had gone, gone out there to train with the morning crew, and it was a, a friend of mine, Amber Tarpley, who mm-hmm. brought me up there to train because she was one of Laura Phelps's one, right? And um, we'd go out there and you know, spend a week on her couch just to go and like let me get a full week with you guys at the sweatshop. Yeah, and one day we make like, a field trip up to West Side. Um, so like to go up there and just get the perspective of like how hard is hard. Yeah. You know, cause oh, I push myself so hard at the gym and this is like, do you really, do you really? <laughs> and like we went in, I'll never forget. It was a speed squat day. <clears throat> and, uh, Louis kind of like asked, you know, kind of asked what my numbers were. At that point I had like a thousand eight squat in a meet. I'd mm-hmm. done like four or five over a thousand. I'm sure. And he's like, well, this is the group you're with. And it was like, I wish I could remember. It was like Shane Hammock, uh, um, Josh Conley, I think, and like Matt's, but it was like, here's a guy with an 11 squat, an 1150, and 1160. And he's like, have you ever used a safety squat bar before? I'm like, no. He's like, well, this one's 35% harder than my like, foot. I have no reference. You're going to learn the day. I've never done this before. He's like, have you ever box squat? I'm like, I've never box squat. Have you ever, like, never squatted against bands by that point? Yeah. He's like, well, guess what? I'm like, cool, we're doing all those things and try not to, you know, so like, I, I wasn't counting sets. But I think he cut us off early because he got tired of watching me. Like, I mean, you know, it was one of those deals. Like, you, you know, talking about like your low back pumps out, and like you yeah. can't breathe, you can't walk, you can't sit. Yep. And like those dudes don't sit. Like when they speed squat, like when everyone does like those speed squats, you're talking about like those dudes get into a group of like three or four and just go round robin. Wow. Do twelve rounds, but nobody sits. It's like you squat, you run the rack, you spot, you squat, Damn. and you just wow. go. Wow. And it's very fast paced, yeah. and it will like. So my back is locked up. I can't breathe. It's the part where Louis is like, do we have to skip you? Like, we can get you on the next round. I'm like, no, I'm not a sissy. Like, <laughs> and uh, it was actually funny, man. It, that, that situation, because Louis is trying to kill you. He's, he just wants to see if you'll quit. Yeah. And I, I know this. I'm not going to quit. Like, I, I will hang out. I will do everything I can. Yeah. And I'm sure, like, my perspective of this, like, I'm going to do this is... If it's so much cooler in my head than I'm sure I look to everybody else in there. <laughs> but the, the end of that day was every, it's like a high school nightmare. Like, you know, the nightmare you have in high school, like, oh, cool, I'm in the cafeteria with my underpants. Oh, right. God. Like, it was exactly that come to life. Like, my Jeez. back had locked up. We're done squatting. I'm trying to get out of my briefs and, like, you know, I'm yelling at someone to come over and help me. It turns out to be um, uh, Matt Brown, the UFC fighter. Yeah. 
So I'm like, please stop by brief. He's like, no. I'm like, get out. Like, I'm about to fight. Like, come on, man. He's like, so somebody else comes over because I don't know who this guy is and everybody else knows. So of course I look like an idiot, you know. Yeah. We get out of my, you know, out of my squat briefs and, um, I'm standing in the middle of West Side of my underpants. I'm going to pull my, my actual shorts back on. And like my leg snags in, like my foot snags, like the leg of them. My back locks up. So I drop my pants and I grab this rack of chains that's next to us. And the leg of the rack like bends. Oh no. So this thing starts falling over. I drop my pants. I'm like pushing the chains back on. <laughs> yeah. like, chains are starting to fall off of this. And, like, and like people are starting to notice. They're running over trying to help me push this thing back up. Yeah. And finally like it just comes crashing. There's a thousand pounds of chain that crashes into a pile on the floor. I'm standing next to this mess that's loud and in the middle of the gym. In my with underwear. no pants. With, and my pants are literally <laughs> around my ankles. I'm like, okay. So like this is worth a whole interview right here. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> it was off, and like I, you know, I kind of take a deep breath. I'm like, okay, cool. Pull my pants up. I walk up to Louie, and I'm like, man, I'm sorry, I broke your rack. Yeah. I'm like, tell me where everything goes. I'll put it all back up. He's like, no, 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 it was fine. I'll have the interns get it, and uh, just get into your accessory work. I'm like, okay. Uh, <laughs> all right then. I'm like, wow, this is terrible. And he's like, no, no, you got it. He's like, what are you? Are you going to move out here? What are you doing? I'm like, oh no, like I, I have a career and a family and stuff. I can't. He's like, well, come out here every month and kind of yeah, get this going, and. uh that's an awesome story. I love that. Yeah, man. There was a, I can't remember who posted, one of the guys out there posting on an Instagram picture or something like that recently. I'm like, wait a minute, hold up, like that pile of chain is still on the floor. There's your extra accessory work right there. Yes. Yeah. Is the chain. So, but that was the, the progression, man. Yeah. So you started with uh, the best team you could, the best coaching I had nearby. Yeah. Uh, which I was very lucky trying to be very good. And then you started going to other gyms. So like yeah. to be able to spend uh, I was able to officiate a wedding with some very good friends down in South Carolina, mm-hmm. or South North Carolina. One, one of the Carolinas, it's all the South to me. Yeah. And uh spend a weekend training with Donnie Thompson because of it. Nice. And um, it was an incredible experience to be able to pick his brain. If you, I mean, if you ever get a chance to talk to that guy, that man can, he's passionate. Yeah. Like the, the, the persona you see on his Instagram videos where he's super pumped up and excited about everything, he really is that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he's that excited about it. He's super, one of the, the guys I respect the most in the sport. And, uh, like, he outlined, like, how do you pee for me? And I do this. Like, he's super healthy. I learned a ton from him. Yeah. But then to go and, like, pick Marshall Johnson's brain up in North Dakota yeah. or pick, you know, some of these other teams to be able to go train with. And, like, everyone has different spins on it, but they all just train so hard at whatever it is they do. So, like, that was that next step. Yeah. Like, actually going out and... So it was almost chasing the thought process. Absolutely. Like, I want to learn what these people are doing. All these successful people are successful for a reason. Right. And, um... And man, I would encourage anybody, like, man, make those field trips out. Like, we're in, in this area, there's like five or six different gyms that are all yeah. successful in different ways. And like, the biggest thing is, like, man, when you go to a gym like that, like, because we have guys come visit our gym all the time. Sure. But then people come in, like, well, today I'm, my coach says I'm supposed to, like, well, cool. Then you're going to get nothing out of this. Yes. Like, you're going to squat on a different rack with different people yelling at you. But, like, when you go to Rome, man, you got to do what the Romans do. Right. Like, your, your gym is successful because you're doing those things. So. Yep. No, it's, that's not wrong. And yeah. and I would say, just, I mean, from my own personal experience, um, I've learned more in a single session benching with you. My daughter has learned more in a single <laughs> session yeah. benching with you than a year's worth of me coaching her. Yeah. Because simply just you you have different eyes. You have different perspective. You have, Absolutely. have those things. And so, yeah. uh you know, very rarely I tell people to go off program. Yeah. I also use air quotes here. Sure. But when you do make a field trip, I mean, get your money's worth. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. And the biggest thing I, I got to stress too, with all the knowledge I can share, all the, everything, all the help I've been able to do, um, is like, I, that. Not that's not all original of mine. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, I have to put it together. Some stuff I've got to come up on my own because at some point you're making progression on your own. Right. But like, I learned a lot of this from Rob Leondo. That guy is, I mean, 
And I guarantee most of the listening have never heard his name before. That is one of the best benchers in history. Yeah. And uh, we were making trips out there at least once a month. Yeah. And so that's about a two-hour drive for us. But we'd go, I said, at least once a month when his gym was open. Sure. And, man, just to get pushed by him and to learn from him and, you know, to go out to Detroit and train with Clay Brandenburg. Like, yeah. All the stuff that I've known that I'm able to go and help, like, I'm standing on their shoulders. Yeah. You know, so that's that's your next level, um, getting to intermediate to, like, kind of professional level, I guess. Yeah. Is going, like... Advanced. Yeah, advanced, or whatever you want to put it. Yeah. Um, you know, but, like, finding the best, finding the brightest, finding the people who came before us, mm-hmm. learning everything you can from them, and then your, your next job is to stand on their shoulders and do your own thing. Gotcha. You know, push that next level. No, that's awesome, man. So, um, so you mentioned, you know, you, you, you got those big squats, and then... The, the knee said, no, no more. No yeah. more. Well, I, I smashed my knee in the car accident. There was a chunk of bone that came loose in there. Yeah. Uh, and it just kind of hung out for like 14 years. So I was able okay. to squat. Uh, if you watch, sometimes I'd squat straight, straight up and down. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'd see me twist. Because yeah. like if, if it would kind of lock, I could kind of pull away from it. Mm-hmm. And I've had a couple squats that twisted enough where like the weights on my left side, it's my right knee that went out. Mm-hmm. You pull away from it, which makes you twist. And the weights on my left side would almost touch the monolith. Wow. So I'm twisting a lot to try and get around it. And, uh, it was actually my highest total the day it blew out, man. It was like the, the biggest nightmare meet of my life hit my highest total. Yeah. And it's, it was one of those like, man, cool. I'm really on a roll. All everything I've learned from out to like, you know, the West side or Lord Phelps gym is starting to come to fruition. And I'm really mm-hmm. to put it all together. And then I get like one meet and I'm done. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, a relentless meet in Detroit, 2014. Yeah. And, uh, I think I, I missed my first squat on balance or something like that. Like it just sure. came over the top of my head. Um, so on two squats, I had like a 10, 20 and on the top of that last squat, uh, I, we put like a, some Voltaren gel on my knee and cause normally when it would lock, you just kind of go around it. Sure. And I think because of that Voltaren or whatever, I just couldn't feel it when it locked and I right. just blew through it. Wow. So I got the 10, 20 squat. It was clean, but like I went to go walk off and that chunk of bone had come loose. Yeah. And, uh, at that point there was like a, it's a centimeter wide chunk underneath my kneecap. Right. So unfortunately it's right in the same spot where like when the tibia and the fibia unlock, mm-hmm. uh, they twist a little bit. It's called the screw home movement mm-hmm. and they catch that gap. Wow. So the knee just locks and your choice at that point is it's either going to lock and stop you or it's going to just dislocate and you're, you're going down. Either way, it's, it's no bueno. Yeah. So uh, the knee went out, went out after, uh, literally like I'd finished squat. I was like, well, that went okay. And then you had to go sit down like pop, pop. I'm like, oh, that's bad. Yeah. That's you missed good. the chair and fall over. Jeez. And, uh, like, well, I can still bench. It's relentless. Like, those kids can't quit, so I better go. Yeah. And I, uh, I got my first bench that meet. Yeah. Second bench, I blacked out so bad, I didn't know where I was. Okay. Third bench, I tore my left back. So I'm like, well, I can still deadlift. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, well, if I pull a, a 700, so I got like a 780 bench. It was just like an opener. Yeah. And, uh, but I had 1020 squats. So I'm like, if I pull 700 on one leg, I think I can do that. I'll still total 2,500. Yeah. So I pulled my, my 700. At this point, like, I had a torn pack that was bleeding out. We had yeah. my knee taped in place. And, uh, I'm like, cool, I'm done. Like, that's it. That's not- I'm exhausted. I'm mentally shot. And it was, I'll never forget, it was Scott Cartwright, who's backstage. Yeah. Who's, if anyone doesn't know who he is, man, look him up. He's one of the OGs. Yeah. He was like, hey, uh, you're quitting? I'm like, no, man, like, I, I tore my everything. Like, I'm, I hit my number. I, yeah. He's like, you got two more attempts. These kids can't <laughs> quit. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, you know, that's so, that's tough to quit in that yeah. environment. So I went back out and pulled a 750 on one leg, and then uh I tried 800 and couldn't get it. Yeah. So so 2550, right? Yeah, was the total, and yeah. and that was your last full power meet. Yeah. Um, 640 Wilkes on yeah. that one. That's all on uh pretty much my like three limbs, two limbs. Yeah. <laughs> two limbs because <laughs> yeah. yeah. one, yeah, your right, your right <laughs> yeah. arm is essentially gone when you tear a pack, and then your yeah. left, your left knee correct is uh, the way around. Oh, left okay. pack, right knee. Okay. So, but like I, after blacking out on that second bench, like it was, 
that was the weirdest thing. Yeah. That, that's a story for sure. Yeah. I, uh, I spent two years where I would black out randomly while I batched. I didn't know why. Yeah. Went to cardiologists, went to everything else. I finally worked with a neurologist called, uh, his name is Joe Baldino. Mm-hmm. Super bright guy. Uh, he runs a practice here called INAPC. Yep. And, uh, he figured out that he said, well, you could have someone push on your eyes or you could grit your teeth. I'm like, push on your eyes is weird, man. Like you're, yeah. But he's like, you're blacking out because your vagus nerve and this is happening. It's like, it's not blood pressure. It's not anything else. And we went back through all of my training logs and figured out like, well, my teeth used to touch. So okay. I could grit my teeth. They never even grits their teeth when they lift. Right. Um, but my, my back teeth don't touch anymore. I went back to all my training logs and realized like I had broken my retainer from like when I was, you know, I had braces and I, they made a new one and they moved one of my teeth like this, this tooth in the front. Yeah. They moved that tooth a tiny bit when they moved it, like my back teeth wouldn't touch anymore. Right. And two weeks later I started blacking out. Wow. It took me two years to figure out why I was blacking out, going through doctors and cardiologists and, Ended up being and, a, a tooth, and that is that is something so, that I want to emphasize. Yeah, stop wearing my retainer, and I, I don't black out anymore. That is a detail that most folks will never try to figure out, and that is mm-hmm. one of the reasons why you've you know achieved what you have to this yeah. point in the sport. Uh, I want to go back because I, another thing I don't think a lot of people understand or know a lot about is and should is relentless. Something right. I know you are incredibly passionate about. Mm-hmm. One of the things I love about you, um, I'm also equally passionate about this uh, this group. Can you tell okay. us a little bit more about Relentless? Yeah, um, Relentless, and I'm sure I've got a couple of the, the background parts wrong. So, uh, but deal with it. I'm on this podcast, and you guys aren't. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> ben, ben no. Thousand, you'll be on there too. <laughs> yeah. um, no, um, Relentless started off. Um, There's two guys, Mike Hamilton and Scott Nutter, who got the idea that they could help people through running just a charity powerlifting meet. And the first year, they tried to help a pastor who had cancer and uh, realized they could do more with it. So they partnered up with the Hope Kids organization Mm -hmm. up in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you guys are familiar with, like, Make-A-Wish, where they do one thing once for one kid who's very sick, Mm -hmm. um, Hope Kids runs, like, weekly events for huge groups of kids with all sorts of different um, uh, maladies or whatever you you want to put it, uh, life-altering illnesses. And the whole idea is that these kids always have something to look forward to. Yeah. You know, when, whenever you're having like a downtime, you're like, oh man, I'm bummed about this, but I, I've got something to look forward to. Yeah. And that's a, a really powerful thing to have, to always have something to look forward to. Yeah. So they realize for kids who are stuck in a hospital and you've got like, your calendar's full of doctor appointments or whatever, to have like a, a movie night or a sports thing or a skybox rent out for you or whatever, uh, they do some pretty significant events too. Um, so we, we started raising money for these guys. Yeah. And, uh, it's cool. Like my, my role, I guess, with Relentless in Minnesota, is when lifters sign up to lift at this, um, you can choose to be partnered with uh, a kid. Yeah. So we call it Team Hope, and you'll lift in honor of a specific kid, and you end up forming a kind of a bond with these kids. And for some people, it's like cool, and you know, we hang out at the event, and you know, we're a friend or a liaison or whatever. You get a, you know, the kid gets a cool selfie with you to show his friends at school. Yeah, of course. Big guy, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, for some people, it turns out being very significant. Yeah. Um, I was matched with a girl named Emily our first year. And man, her family is like just the, the nicest people you ever meet. Yeah. We ended up becoming like family friends. We go up there every year for New Year's and celebrate New Year's with them. Yeah. Uh, and with some of our other relentless family up there. And, uh, it's been just uh, an absolute blessing for us to have these people in our lives. And yeah. they end up being very significant friends. Yeah. Uh, we've seen other lifters being asked to be like godparents for kids and things yeah. like that. So, um, it's cool. The relationships between, uh, these very, very strong kids and, uh, and us lifters is, uh, is something that, you know, I, I know I, I've seen flack on like, oh, he only does these backyard charity meets and this. Like, well, I mean, like the WPO was really cool. I, I really hope they could do a bench only so I get a chance to do that. The Arnold's cool and all. I've been there, done that, but nothing is as cool as yeah. the experience being on the run. So I don't encourage anybody to do it. Yeah, and I, I would argue that powerlifting should have more of that. 
I mean, actually, high-profile meets doing yeah. that kind of charitable work too, because everyone's oh, yeah. harping about, oh, I don't get a cash prize, I don't get a cash prize. That's a better idea. We should yeah. probably go to the charity events, raise something for something that's not filling your own pockets, yeah, and doing something good with it. Yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, relentless. My figures are probably off, but it's something like since we started, uh, something like 1.2 million we raised from yeah. these guys. And it's, uh, it's incredible for Hope Kids to be able to, because of us, I want to say it's something like four chapters. They've been open up in, in different states because I'm going to open a chapter. They've got to have so much in the bank, whatever to yeah, just start off before yeah. they're self-sufficient. So, I mean, that's thousands of kids across the country who've been able to have this experience only because us literally able to do this. And like, I, yeah. I, I, the thousand dollars in my pocket from winning a bench only meet or whatever like that, like, cool, that's great. But this means so much more. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So even like this last meet I did, um, I, it was brutal on me because I was planning on doing like an early March meet and yeah. then I was invited to do, um, the pressing the pieces together meet. Yeah. I'm like, of, of course. And I'm going to, you got to, to raise money for the autism society. Like, that's, that's wonderful. Like, I would much rather do that than just do a meet for myself. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was great. They ended up raising something like 13,000. 13,500, yeah. So 13, uh, five, we which is, with, with Howard uh, and our partner with Iron Authority. And, uh, and that, that one meant a lot. I mean, having a son on the spectrum, it was awesome to see, you know, such awesome people oh, yeah. coming in and raising money. And, you know, we've, we've benefited tremendously from that. And so it was, it was cool to kind of be on both sides of that equation. Yeah. You know, major people are staying safe, but also knowing that, you know, the research and everything gets done by the Autism Society is helping and has helped my son, uh, tremendously, you know, over oh, yeah. the last, gosh, 10 years now since he's been diagnosed. Yeah. So. And all the, all the advocacy they do to try and just educate people. Yeah. You know, so kids like that who can't help who they are and how they are aren't getting judged and to yep. know that's a thing. Yeah. Um, for sure. But yeah, so that, that means a lot more to me. So it was kind of rough because this meet was like two months after I was planning on peaking. Yeah. So for people who, who don't know too, like I live most of the year like 330 or so body weight and then I'll come up to like 350, 360 yeah. for meets. Um, and like that's obviously hard on my health. So I do a lot of cardio, try to get healthy enough where I can just kind of now, for, now, for a, push. now so for a big guy like you, you're not jogging a whole lot of places, especially with your knee. What, cardio-wise, what do you do? Um, I was actually really lucky. Uh, so after my meet in 2014 where I, I I can't competitively squat anymore, my knee just locks. Yeah. I've been through two knee surgeries, um, I mean years of PT. It took me three years of still trying to squat before I realized, like, cool, I'm done. Yeah. Like if I, I can squat like, you know, three or 400 pounds now, it starts to lock past, even sometimes before that it'll lock up. Yeah. And, uh. If I can't do it competitively, for a lot of people with, with that, yeah. that bench and yeah. one like a deadlift, you know what I mean. But it, it's for me, like I love squatting. I, man, I would I would give a toe to have like a heavy squat day and a heavy deadlift day again, yeah. just for one day, yeah, because it was so much fun. But like if I can't do it at a hundred percent, like it, it's just it's hard to go back and be like, cool, here's a third of what I used to do. Yeah, I'm not you know, I'm not getting excited for it. Yeah. Um. So man, I got really fat and really out of shape and really depressed for a couple of years. Sure. Um. And luckily, like, powerlifting is not the only thing I do. It's one of the things I do. Yeah. So, like, I had some other stuff. I was, you know, flexing to other hobbies and do other stuff. And um, a friend of mine, his name is Luke Young, his his doctor told him he was going to die. He was 545 pounds and his heart was failing. He's like, my doctor literally used the term funds over fat boy. Like, wow. Wow. <laughs> when your doctor says that, you know you. That you, is. You that your ass. But he also, like, a drill yeah. sergeant with full metal jacket. <laughs> yeah. Or... It sounds like a... Uh, I'm picturing like uh, Damon Wayans in Major Pain. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 The one goal tooth. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's like, you need to lose weight or die. And so my friend, and this is a, like a lifelong friend of mine. Mm-hmm. We've been a friend for 20 years. I guess, Almost 20 years. And uh, since college, at least. Yeah. And uh, 
he was an usher at my wedding. He's a great guy. He's a godfather to my daughter. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just said, you know what? Like, I will do this. Uh, at that point, I think him and his wife had just started trying to have a kid. Sure. And uh, he said, okay, I have to do this. And uh, his doctor's like, listen, I tell this to 100 people, and you're the only one I've seen do this. But he's like, I'm just going to eat normal. And this is the best part about it, when people get overly scientific. And, yeah. you know, like, like, cool, how'd you lose all this weight? He lost, in like 16 months, he went from 545 to 299. Jesus. That's incredible. That's, and so, like, cool, how'd you do this? He's like, I hate diets and I hate the gym. So, for him, his way of doing cardio, he's like, he bought a bicycle and started biking everywhere, and he just started eating normal quantities of things. Yeah. So instead of, like, six hot dogs, he eat, like, two chicken hot dogs. Yeah. So, it's like, how can I still do, you know, so instead of being, like, a big, yo- uh, big like, ice cream sundae, yeah. he's eating, like, some yogurt with some fruit. And he still gets to, like, his sweet cake. But just things like that and being more active. Yeah. So, for him, it was kayaking and biking. Okay. So, when he saw me kind of heading down the road where I was just bummed out, man, I couldn't squat, and, and I... I was never a great squatter, but like we had a couple of thousand pound squats. Like I did yeah. okay with it. I was pretty tight. I would take a thousand pound squat. I don't think yeah. I'll <laughs> you know, but like, you know, a little bit more than half that. Yeah. yeah. That would be nice. But like, um, to go from my man, I just lived for squat day for 10 years to like, now I just can't do this. Yeah. So, uh, luckily my friend kind of saw it. He's like, I'm gonna get you a bike. And he's like, you got like 300 bucks to burn. I was like, yeah, sure, man, whatever. Yeah. You know, like, so he showed up with this trip Marlin and, uh, I spent a couple couple weeks biking on that just hitting all the bike paths around us I'm like this is good like i, I can push yeah. i've always been outdoors like i worked in summer camp for 10 years yeah and it was a wonderful experience so Be- best picture you were with the curly hair oh like, yeah <laughs> yeah a big afro and scrawny. Yes, yes but uh yeah man so my buddy got me out in a bike and uh i started turning the regular bike wheels into tacos i ended up getting a fat bike to, yeah. to, to handle my weight and now like man if i get a free day uh, i tried squatting for years and years and years and honestly i i I'm okay stopping with it because I can't do it competitively anymore. Yeah. But I'll get out and get on my bike and like I'm hitting bike trails, not like yeah. paved paths. I mean like the dirt single track in the woods where there's jumps and drops and yeah. logs and you know, like you got to duck under branches <clears throat> and shit. Yeah. Like I, yeah. so like at 330 pounds, I'm getting air on my bike and for, for a bystander, that has to be terrifying to see. A couple of times you come around a blind corner, you're face to face with another guy going the other way. Like yeah. the look on their face is solid. Gold. <laughs> yeah, if, I, if I met you first, I wouldn't think. This guy is probably, he probably bikes in his free time. Yeah, yeah I'd like to picture this guy in spandex for sure. <laughs> that's, yeah, that, that 100% up No, definitely baggy clothes, baggy. Yeah. <laughs> Other than mountain bike baggies, but, but no, so like, uh, that competitive side that made me want to squat like that and do all that, like now I have something else to push myself with. That's yeah. a, that's a, not only is it very physical, but it's technical as well. Like how do I mm-hmm. learn the technique of this? How do I not fall when I do these things? How do yeah. I get a, a two foot drop without just bottoming out and falling sure. out? Yeah. So like, with that, and then I can push my cardio. Yeah. And that's been the biggest change from the last couple of years. Uh, it's taken me from an 860 press to, you know, kind of trying to watch my weight, trying to get pushed to like yeah. that 936 last year to 964 this year. Yeah. And, uh, the, the only big change I've had. And what, I, I have to say, 1003 was an inch lockout. I was there. Yeah. Everyone keeps yeah, saying an inch. It was, uh, I wouldn't say it was an inch, but it was, it was moving. It was moving. And then it, it was wasn't. Moving. Yeah. <laughs> You, you, you gave it everything. It was, it was incredible. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, I had, no, no, I have to it was bring cool. that up. So, um, it's one of those, like, um, I'm more excited about than I am bummed about missing it. Yeah. Cause when I go into a meet, there's a number that I need and a number that I want. I yeah. needed my 964. That was my number I needed this year. Yeah. Uh, I wanted the thousand three, but like, if it's, you know, at a hundred percent, everything has to go right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Everything wasn't right. I, I messed up something. Sure. So. Hopefully next time I can not mess it up or I can be stronger. So that's not my hundred percent. I can get away with some stuff. Yeah, there you go. You know, um, but, um, 
yeah, man, so getting out on the bike has pushed my cardio, my conditioning to the point where, you know, to warm up to a heavy day where you're going four sets over 900. Yeah. Or three sets over 900. Like, there's a lot of warm-ups. Mm-hmm. So now, with all the cardio and the conditioning from biking, I'm not tired by the time I get to that point in the gym. Yeah. Because how many guys see gas out in training or they gas out in meets and they just never hit the numbers yeah. or never get as much out of training because they just, they're too tired. Yeah. The level of fitness you, you have to have to be able to achieve that. Yeah. And to, and to push through a meet where you're going to potentially total, you know, 18, 19, 2,000, 22, 2,500 pounds. Yeah. A lot that goes into that. Absolutely, man. So like, I mean, getting my cardio right has helped me train harder in the gym. Sure. Which has led to bigger numbers. So like, and the biggest thing too, like when guys think about cardio, they think about like the, the bodybuilding misery where you yeah. just walk on a treadmill or you, you walk on a stairmaster and mm-hmm. like, that's, those guys are just burning calories or trying to burn fat. Like you're not actually getting cardio, like conditioning from it. Yeah. Like cardio for me, before I discovered biking, my wife and I used to go, we lived by a high school, so we'd go and run bleachers. Yeah. Or we'd go and run hills. Or like, so like, you need actual, like the sort of cardio where you, you can feel your heartbeat in the, your ears. Yeah. And you lay on the ground and try to breathe and hope this isn't the big one. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> like that's the sort of cardio conditioning we're Usually how about. I feel like I try to play soccer anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's an interesting and surprising filter for mm-hmm. a lift, you know, mm-hmm. like finding a hobby that's still very physical to supplement in for a missing lift. Absolutely. Now, how has training changed for you being a full power lifter to now a bench specialist? Um, well, I don't train the other two lifts anymore. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Simple part there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, part of it, like... I'm At all? Like, just completely? Do you cut it out? Or Yeah, I mean, it's... I squat once in a while. I squat a plate or two just for fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I can't really push it, I've got no interest in really pushing it. Yeah. I would okay. much rather be outside. And it's funny. I started biking and my legs grew. Yeah. When I stopped squatting and started biking, my legs grew. Hmm. Yeah, my dad okay. never squatted a day in his life, and he had tree trunks. He just biked every yeah. day. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, do I miss it? Like, yeah, of course. But since I can't do it, like, I'm gonna do something else. Okay. So there's no sense in beating a dead horse. Like, at the kind of top of the sport, um, there's kind of two characters you see. There are guys who live and die for the sport. It's you know, I work a whatever minimal job I have to work, do whatever I have to do just to get to the gym, and I put everything in the gym. And that's it. But then you also see guys who just like everything you do is at a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite people to talk to, his name is uh, Scott Cartwright again. And he's one of those guys where like, uh, man, he's like a higher up at, at, at least at one point, I'm not sure what he's doing exactly right now, but it's one point he was a fairly higher up at IBM. Mm-hmm. So like in the, as a professional, he puts a hundred percent to that. He's got, and now four, he just had a, a son a couple of years ago, uh, a younger son, but he's got three older kids. Mm-hmm. His oldest is, I want to finish up college right now. But he's just a phenomenal father with them. Sure. So he fathers and parents at 100%. He lifts at 100%. He, just everything he does at 100%. Yeah. Um, he's been kind of doing the same thing now that he's, his prime is past, I think, in this sport, where we were talking about biking. So he's like, cool, I'm going to get a bike and get on the mountain bike trails. Like, yeah. good, man. That's awesome. And then, like, three weeks later, I got a call from him. He's like, I entered a race. Like, you did what? Like, <laughs> you went biking for like three weeks. He's like, no, I used to bike as a kid. It's fine. I'm like, dude, you what? Like, you <laughs> Like, he just has a competitive drive. Like, everything I do is going to be at 100%. Yeah. And um, so you see guys like that at the top. There's a lot of other guys like that where just yeah. everything. Um, it's it's all it's all or nothing and everything. Absolutely. So it's like, well, if I can't squat and deadlift at 100%, I don't care to do them. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'll do it for fun once in a while because I do really miss it. Yeah. But now I can put everything into biking. Or like, I mean, I'm still a musician. I'm still a, you know. Yeah. There's a bunch of different hats that I wear that. You have two pretty important ones, though. Yeah. 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 
husband and father. Yeah, I mean, I suppose being a decent dad is probably important. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Probably. <laughs> um, no, I, and, and it's honestly one of the, my favorite things is to see, you know, pictures of you and, and your daughter on, on the socials and, um, oh, yeah. you know, I think, I think that's so important for, cause I, I see a lot of lifters that, you know, to your point are lifting. It's all lifting. It's all it is. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then I don't mean to, to downplay that either. Like that's, no, I respect I, that. That's commendable because absolutely those are the people that have, have been groundbreakers in the sport, but at the same time, I, uh, it, and we talked about this yesterday or, uh, last week when we were talking about our takes on West Side versus the world. Mm-hmm. It struck me very much at the end and I am spacing on the guy's name and this is all, that also bugs me a lot. Uh, talked about the very end of the movie that he, his son was a state champion swimmer and he never saw meat mm-hmm. because Wednesday night was bench night. And, I remember watching that and going, I don't know who you are. Was all that worth it? You know, I had a conversation with a friend that I respect greatly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't mention him by name because I don't know if he, I've never asked his permission to tell the story. So, um, but there was a point, um, to give a little backstory, my wife and I, when we got married really young and we flipped a coin because I'd always ridden motorcycles. We flipped a coin between have kids young. Mm-hmm. Or get her a motorcycle too and just go tour the country and have some fun before you have kids. And the coin landed on motorcycles, so she bought a Harley, uh, to match my Harley and we spent pretty, the next pretty cool, actually. eight years. <laughs> Cause we both teach. So like yeah. in the summers, we just lock up the house and go ride for a month at a time. Yeah. And, uh, been able to explore the world and in like 31 states, four Canadian provinces. Got to visit some really great friends up in Canada who are incredibly strong. Exploring the world's best friend and nothing better than that. Absolutely. Yeah. We had a lot of very, Pivotal moments in our relationship on some of those trips. Yeah. Um, but there was a point where we were driving back across Saskatchewan, which is terrible. I don't recommend that to anybody. <laughs> All of Saskatchewan is awful. If you live there, move. But um, Sorry for our Saskatchewan listeners. Yes. But move. Yeah. yeah from yeah. The, By the, way. the beaming metropolis to, of Regina. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. You know what? They do produce some excellent hockey players. That's it's like one of those things. The shittier place you live, the, <laughs> the better, better, not, the, better the, the better the athletes. The better the Because you have nothing else to do. Saskatchewan and Regina are like the, like the hockey well, the player. Is, I wanted to say Regina, too. <laughs> and then they corrected me. It's actually pronounced Regina. Yeah. That's a, t- that's a whole, like, it's I spelled really as like, the Italian word queen too, so that's probably the most stupid thing I've ever heard. I, I like whatever. so much about Canada, except for Saskatchewan. But we're driving across Saskatchewan, that was the point where I'm like, you know what, I've, it was like a Walden's Pond sort of thing with Henry David Thoreau, where he, he realized he just found another routine in the woods. Yeah. Um, and I realized we were on a routine with these motorcycle trips, so it's time to have a daughter and, that will be the, or a son or whoever we didn't know at that yeah. point, obviously. But like, that will be the next adventure. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. I, 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 I love that a lot. Um, but, um, so I had, had this conversation about yeah. this and cause we were, my first concern was like, motorcycles are dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're having a kid, this is this something I really want to do? Like we did the motorcycles instead of the kid. Like, do we now get rid of the motorcycles? How do we do this? And my conversation about this, uh, to your point about, you know, not knowing who this person was at the end of the video, it wasn't worth it. Um, it, that depends on the perspective from that guy's kid. Yeah. Cause this conversation I had. Uh, with my friend, I was like, should I get rid of my motorcycles? What am I doing? Like, is this responsible of me? And he's like, honestly, I think this is having a kid is a reason to get a motorcycle. Like, oh, why is that? Like, it's dangerous. It's expensive. It's this and that. Yeah. He's like, well, because if you get rid of it, what do you teach your kid? Like, so for me, like with the gym, like, or even with biking or with whatever else I do with myself, um, there's always that guilt as a parent of like, okay, I'm spending time away from my kids that I could be spending with them. Mm-hmm. But the other side of that is like, how much time do I have to spend for myself to be the person I need to be, to be a good role model, to be a good influence, to give that kid first off someone to look up to and second off a story to tell. 
you know, because when that kid goes to school and goes, oh, my dad, uh, uh, he mows the lawn in really straight lines. Like, well, that's great. Cool. My dad does all this other cool stuff. Yeah. And I want to be like my, you know what I mean? Like, who's your hero? Should, like, should, your, should you see your parents in the pursuit of something? Is yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I want my kid to know uh, that they chase dreams. Yeah. And um, if I don't chase my own, Obviously, like, there's a balance of that, you yeah. know, but if no, I'm not, no, part of my next question. Yeah. So. If I'm not chasing my own, uh, what am I teaching her? Yeah. So like, is it worth missing every swim practice? Like t- to me, probably not. I'm lucky to have like six crews here that are all fairly decent if I had sure. to reschedule or whatever. But at some point, like, you know what? Yeah. Like that kid should understand like dad has goals too and mom has goals too. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, and we support each other as a family. Absolutely. Sure. Exactly. So no, it's awesome. It's great. It's tremendous perspective. Yeah, and right. that's where was that selfish would... kid when bench night? You should have been there holding that's boards. That's what I'm saying, man. How <laughs> dare you schedule your swim meets on my bench night? You should be there holding boards and filming this for my online fans. Exactly. Exactly. We need likes. Right. Come on. Right. I'll give you video credits. I'm never going to get my own 10% off on these leggings if my kid doesn't film better videos of me. Oh, that's that's awesome. Um, so I, I I know we're gonna we're getting fairly close on time, so we, we want to kind of go through that. So. Talking about overall goals, um, wh- where, where do you see what's the next step as far as bench, next meet, and then uh, kind of talk about what the overall goal is. You know, when you when people talk about the the legacy of Barzi Vaziri, what is that going to be? Um, well, there, there's different sides to that. There is. Um, that's why I asked it. Yeah, that, that's a good question. Well, here's your 40 minute answer. Yes. Um, <laughs> you guys can go get a drink. I'll be I'll be on this for a little bit. No, um, as far as a legacy, like, obviously, everyone leaves a number. Um, and the number's obviously cool. Like, I've got numbers in my head. Like, when I first got stuck trying to process the idea of being bench only, I'm like, well, fine. I'm going to outbench my old squat. So uh, anything better than 1020 would be a really nice bench. Okay. Um, but you know what? Like, I really try hard not to, like, project. Because the, the one thing I hate is when someone gets, oh, you're going to get on, and I'm going to hit all these numbers. And then, like, nope. Yeah. You know, so, like... My goals are always just what's what am I looking at at my next meet? Yeah. Like, well, I'm projecting to hopefully do this. So my goal is really like I'd like to get stronger. I'd like to stay healthy enough to keep getting stronger. Yeah. That's when the biggest change in the last couple of years is realizing like I have to keep myself healthy enough to do this to be able to keep doing this. Yeah. So like the super hardcore train through all the injuries thing is great until you can't train anymore. Yep. Yeah. And so I learned that. So now with just bench left, I don't want to destroy myself. Actually. The best advice I got this last year, I ended up messaging uh, Tiny Meeker. Mm-hmm. To people who don't know him, he's got the, the biggest bench in the history of benching. And um, I just asked him, like, because he came up in the early 2000s with guys like Clay Brandenburg and Rob Leondo and, you know, Mendelssohn, Canelli and all these guys. And he's the only one still lifting, lifting heavy. I think Canelli is coming back or something like that, but he's the only one still hitting those numbers. Yeah. And um, so I messaged him, like, hey, man, like, Everybody else from your generation is is too beat up to, to lift heavy anymore, to yeah. be in their peak. What are you doing? And he messaged me back. And he's like, you know, there was a bigger answer to it, too. But the point was, he's like, well, when something's hurt, I don't train. Yeah. Makes sense. I'll hit that number next time if I don't destroy myself this time. That's basically the, the point I got from it. So, obviously, there's a balance to that. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you always do that, you'll never hit your... There is some chronic pain that's going to yeah. come from this sport. Yeah, this, body violent. Yeah, we were talking about this on the way in, like... It's three weeks after my meet now. I can start training again because now my bones don't hurt so bad that it, like, yeah. for a couple of weeks after a thousand pound bench, for me at least, um, my bones hurt too much to really do anything. <laughs> like, and then really, I mean, there's, I thought I'd fractured my form a couple of years ago. I've got a very good, um, orthopedic guy, 
um, who did an x-ray and he's like, well, a couple of things. He's like, you, when you lift heavy, you microfracture your bones yep. and then they calcify. Kind of how you tear down your muscles and they rebuild stronger your so bones. This why the thing. bone density is more on, yeah. on lifters. So he's like, your bones, I like the phrase he used. He's like, your bones are twice as thick as a human's. Like, as a human's. Cool. Yeah. Um, but it's, I guess, uh, my, my ulna, so mm-hmm. the two bones are forming the radius of the ulna. The ulna is straight, but the radius on both arms is curved. Mm-hmm. From years, like I started handling 800 pound plus benches in 2011 or 2012 or so. Okay. Um, there was a little setback. That's where we figured out my neck was broken because mm-hmm. I pinched a nerve. My left arm turned off. So I lost about a year of training there trying to get through that. Not terrifying at all. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't really acknowledge it until my, I couldn't bench. Yeah. Like, oh, this is, okay, this is a problem. Yeah. Now it's a problem. Uh, yeah, now it's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Not being able to hold a cup wasn't as big of a deal. <laughs> but like, well, now that I can't bench, well, I have two hands I can do it like this. <laughs> yeah. I'm holding a cup like a toddler all day and it didn't bother me. It was the point where I couldn't bench. I'm like, okay, I have to see somebody. Um, but yeah, so with all that time under tension, like your bones get down through this or that. But so just from the microfractures from everything else, like it's bad enough to where like for a week or so after a really big bench, that will wake me up at night. Yeah. So like the, the things you don't think about when you first start training, like, oh, I'm really sore. Like, cool. My bones are sore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not muscles. You really feel bones. that. The skeleton yeah. is sore. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, man, like this, this training cycle, I'll, I got to say like was probably the hardest training cycle I've ever been on. It was incredible. Um, I, I was there for some of it and it was, it was awe inspiring. Man, like the last two years I've been blessed by having just some killers to train with. You know, Matt Hauser's 900 pound bencher came out and trained with us yeah. for a good year. Steve Brock, who's the most intense man on the planet. Matt, oh, Neiman, <laughs> yeah. Matt Neiman, who's one of the best training partners I've ever had. Super good guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, one by one, you know, uh, Hauser had to stop because of a small injury and he's become like some sort of physique competitor now. Yeah, right. All those abs. What's up with I that? I know, man. It's, it's, I think he's coming back to it. Yeah. But he's just a monster. I mean, I have no doubt he'd come back and bench a thousand pounds if he wanted to. Yeah. Um, but then within a week of each other, both, I mean, Brock snapped his arm and yep. Neiman had to stop. Um, and all of a sudden it's like, cool. I had like the greatest training partners in the world and now it's like, cool, I'm by myself. Yeah. And you have to kind of push yourself through the last couple of months. It's like, oh, what was me? These guys actually had real injuries. I'm crying because I'm not like, oh, I'm sad now. You know? <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> well, but well, my friends left for a little while. Yeah, like, oh, no one wants to play with me anymore. But <laughs> um, but for real, it was just not having that, that environment yeah. was suddenly different. But like to the point about like well, what's what's changing, what's developing, what's yeah. like you got to give bone density time. Like Brock got super strong, super fast. Like uh, it was a freak accident, but like. The dude's arm snapped. snapped. Yeah, he snapped his tumors. Yeah, and then I mean, look, a couple weeks before that, I want to say, uh, oh, I wish I could remember her name. Oh, uh, Mommy and Ride Lists, yeah. Oh, I uh, well, she snapped. There was another one too, uh, Chanel. Yeah. Uh, I believe at the WPO. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like two other people breaking arms while benching, like. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> all you can say. Is, that's, that's it weird. really is. Yeah. It's incredible. So. That's no minor injury either. Yeah. Because most uh, most of our listeners, and including the people I know, are raw lifters mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. particularly into light lighter weight classes. Mm-hmm. And I always tell them like, you could get hurt, but it's mostly hurt. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah. You walk away from most of these injuries. You might you know pinch a nerve a little bit. Your hips might yeah. be aligned correctly. You might get some tendonitis in your knee. Mm-hmm. The equipped guys, like the people <laughs> who handle the heavy weights, they might not walk away from certain injuries. Yeah, like they might need an ambulance or two to get them out of there. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean that's hopefully not two. That'd be bad. Yeah, two, two one, one for another yeah. limb that you lost. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah I was just gonna find the limb across the gym. But, yeah, or just but no, so, yeah, support some weight. So talking about goals, um, moving on. Like, man, like if I can stay healthy enough to keep doing this, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun doing this. Yeah, um, and hopefully my numbers keep moving. Yeah, uh, if they don't, then it'll be a fun game to try and figure out why they're not, and mm-hmm. then I get to learn something new and get better for it. Yeah. So past that, man, it's 
uh, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago in, a, in an interview with Eric. Um, sorry, Marosher, uh, Third Monster Garage, they run a Patreon page for all they that. And yep. It's good. So whenever it's on an interview with that, he'd asked about something with this. And it's like our duty as, once you get to that top, once you get to, I'm not the best, I'm not, you know, whatever, but I'm decent. Um, but my purpose now is to pass information on. I can only get to this place because Rob Leondo, Clay Brandenburg, yeah. you know, Donnie Thompson, all these guys who came before me paved the way for me. I'm standing on their shoulders. Yeah. So have I done... I feel bad for their shoulders, I'm not going to lie. I was going to say, uh, luckily they're strong, <laughs> strong shoulders. Yeah. Luckily they're strong shoulders. Yeah. These are all some very, very strong people. Yeah. Um, but like the highlight of my, my career, I think, uh, was not my 964. Uh, it was last year, I hit a 936. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to go out to train with Clay Brandenburg on uh, Detroit Barbell because he's one of the best coaches I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kept going back and forth on weeks to come out. He's like, well, you know, we're hosting a meet. Coming out at the meet, I'll just handle you at the meet. And it'll be a trial by fire and you'll learn something. I'm like, cool. And uh, his best bench from his prime was a 931. And he called my numbers that day. Yeah. And he called my third attempt to beat his by five, uh, two and a half kilograms. Yeah. So, like, here's a guy that I very much look up to as both a lifter and as a human being. Yeah. Um, purposely calling my number to beat his prime. Like that's, that's a, that's a passing of the torch. That's, that's amazing. So the, the definite highlight of my career. Um, so my goal now is to be able to help somebody else to be able to like, how do I bring up the next generation? Yeah. Cause I don't want my number, whether I know it's five or six, whatever, all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to stay there for 10 years. Yeah. You know, 10 years, it should, it should move down. I should be bumped down. I should, you know, mm-hmm. but you measure a flood by the high water mark. You know, like I, I hit this number in my time. Cool. Mm-hmm. I want people to beat that number. I want the next generation to come off and a thousand pound benches become common because they're, they've gotten like, so much like better. Like deadlifts now. Yeah. Cause I mean, think about it like a couple of years when I started at least like 2007, 2008, if you were a geared lifter and you hit an 800 pound squat in a meet, like that was a pretty good squat. Yeah. Nowadays, like, Oh, an 800 pound raw squat again? Huh, that's a pretty good local meet. Yeah, it's not like, wrong. You know, yeah. like, gosh, like, it's incredible. Like, 700 for deadlifts, need 500 for at least 83. Yeah. Yeah. They, people are spitting out 800, uh, 700 pound deadlifts. Yeah. Like, it, it, 800 barely gets you looked at anymore. Yeah. Like, 800 used to be, like, top of the board. And, like, I'm a, I'm a geared lifter, obviously, but, like, I, I train raw, uh, my raw training is accessory movements. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, obviously I love following. It's all the same sport. Yeah. Regardless of what category you compete in, mm-hmm. you just compete wherever you have the most fun. But like, man, it's awesome to watch what's happening now. Yeah. It's so cool to see. So like, and I'm happy to see that. Yeah. I want, you know, whether it goes geared or equipped or stays raw or whatever, wherever the next generation goes with the sport, uh, I just want them to keep pushing those numbers. Yeah. So hopefully whatever I've learned and put together and a mass I can hand off and teach and, help other people with because I want to see them beat those numbers. You bet. Awesome. Yep. So we're about to wrap up this interview. We got our content of just excellent information. Want to pass on information? You're off to a great start. Incoherent Got on two highlights. (laughs) Got on two highlights. Get to pass off your information. It's like the first step. I feel the geared lifter two highlights is very uh, appropriate for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't get extra points for the third. Exactly. Exactly. But before we get out of here, I did my research. Unfortunately, you don't have a Wikipedia page, which is bullshit. You you should have one. But when on uh, social media, Instagram, I've noticed a few things. Great father, great lifter. You shoot some guns. Yeah. Pew pew. You play some pretty badass bass. Yeah. And you're a uh, mountain biker, correct? Yeah. You also are an eater. Yeah. Have one last day on this world. Where are you going to eat? What restaurant? Well, 
Oh, geez, I think it was a Louis C.K. skit. He called it the Bang Bang. Yeah. Where instead of just ordering a yeah. big meal at one restaurant, you order a meal at one restaurant and go immediately to another restaurant. Yeah. So um, that's the best part about being a big person. You don't have to choose a meal. <laughs> Good true. point. So you I saw that episode you, they were referring <laughs> oh, to, yeah. and I got like, like I, I can't do it. Because they went, Indian food diner. That's that's a rub. you got to go the other way around. Yeah. I know. diner is white noise after Indian food. <laughs> they both did it. Yeah, that was, uh, for those of you who don't watch Louie, uh, problematic now. But, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, one of my favorite comedians, they did a bang bang, but they like hated the decision. They're like, oh, yeah. they, they hated themselves for doing it. Oh, yeah. So the best one we've done was, uh, there was a pho place. So okay. we go into like a big bowl of pho and some Thai, whatever, all the appetizers. And then immediately across the street to a really good barbecue place. Okay. Yeah. So right. that was a pretty good back-to-back. But like... I never had... I Well, and to show you that I haven't mm-hmm. had pho before, I call it pho my entire life. Right. <laughs> We're calling it pho. It's P-H-O. Yeah, pho. Yeah. Pho. So like my, my question when people come to visit, like, oh, where should we eat? Like, well, what color people do you want to eat the food of? Like, <laughs> see, we can't ask that question. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the good thing about being very androgynous about my, my background, my ethnicity. Like, yes. Is he, I don't know, possibly Greek? Some sort of, <laughs> I don't know. I used to get Mexican before I got the beard, but. Fair. Um, but no, it's, you know, there's a, just from, from your office here. Yeah. There's a wonderful dim sum place down the street. <laughs> we get, we gotta hit that. That for sure is like a last day thing. Okay. We've had some epic tabs there. <laughs> There's a couple good barbecue spots. Yeah, see, I could always do big ads on my last day. Um, oh, see, you oh, say there's... that place, Smokehouse, uh, or uh, Steamboat. Yeah, Steamboat's the one. Steamboat's heard, the one. Heard great things. Heard That's great right by a brick house. I mean, we had an opportunity my, to go one time. Steamboat is, I think, the best barbecue in the state. Really? Oh, and, you, and you've eaten both, I Have believe, you? yes. Oh, you mean yeah. Ed's? Ed's uh, never. Yeah, that's a. Free, I think, by the way, it's I think Firehouse even. They've got one here in Lombard and one in Geneva. I think Firehouse is even better. Wow. Or I'm sorry, um, Firewater. Sorry, Firehouse was terrible. Hmm. Firewater barbecue. Interesting. Their wings incredible. I will have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. nobody gets this fat on accident, man. It's, it's, that's, <laughs> yeah, trust me, man. I've been trying. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I, I got my foods that I go out and eat. Mm-hmm. I'm not big on going out for Italian food because that's overkill at this point. Oh, dude, that depends where you go. Uh, it doesn't. But like, when, when it's family recipes. Yeah, yeah like, you know. my so mom puts like, all of her effort and day into one bowl of pasta. Ready? I, like, I got, you're doing this whole thing with all these different people. I got a place for you. What, what is it's it? It's called Pomodori Mozzarella. It's in St. Charles. Okay. It's a mom and a papa from, it's in a strip mall. It's the best, this is the best part about it. It's in a strip mall next to like a big commercial gym. There's a muscle maker grill next door. <laughs> so you can go here. <laughs> okay. It's, it's a mom and a papa from Sicily who came over. There used to be grandma who'd sit there and she doesn't speak any English. So you okay. just hear yelling in Italian from nice. around the corner. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like they make their pastas, all like the carbonara's from Agio stuff from Korea. Like it's incredible. Okay. Pizzas are really good. Um, I mean, it's literally like a mom and a papa from Sicily. Yes. Selling out of a strip mall. Now, I'm not opposed to going out and eating. Now, you can sit there outside after a workout and watch all the little skinny bros go into Muscle Maker (laughs) and pay like nine bucks for their like chicken and broccoli. Oh uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be checking that checking place out. out. But oh, barbecue, I think, is my go-to place now because I've sued oh, you yeah. so many times. But I can't find like a really good barbecue place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm actually. It's good to know that Steamboat's that good because yeah, I was no, eating no, it. And I'm like, this is delicious. But I'm like, how many actual barbecue places have I eaten in my life? So, but, yeah, I'm a big is, barbecue fan. There is a place yeah. though that I would love to at some point. This is a free plug, by the way. Yeah. For every restaurant we just mentioned, yeah, that's yep. a sponsor. Free plug. Take. For how much I, I make fun of all like the oh I'm gonna buy ten percent off code. If someone will give me a sponsor to a barbecue place, uh-huh. do you know how much you I will, save with ten percent? Actually, this is I know we're we're running short on time. One of the guys I respect the most in the sports is a guy named Bull Huber. 
he was one of the OGs squatting like 900 pounds. He had like a 930 or something like that back from the early 90s mm-hmm. that stood as a state rep. By the way, one when, of his best friends, my safety director here. Really? Yeah. But man, that squat stood until like I broke it in like 2011. Yeah. It's so incredible. like Bull's a, an OG of the sport. At one point, because powerlifting, at that point, they had like the Budweiser record breaker meets. Like, yeah. Okay. Powerlifting had a lot more like kind of big interest. He has, and Bull, I'm sorry if you, you didn't want this out there, but he's got a tattoo on his wrist of Old Country Buffet. Because he was talking with them about some sort of sponsorship. Deal. Like, this is how serious I am about. <laughs> oh, that's that awesome. is wonderful. That's one of the things I respect. Like I, oh, yeah, I, I would always sell out so quickly for for food? sponsorship and a food sponsorship. <laughs> oh, they're so, so close. Oh my! We see your hat. We got it. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. I will, I will sell myself up for most things. Yeah, yeah, the but, supplements I don't care about. <laughs> leggings I got no, and nobody wants to see me in that. But you got a barbecue sponsorship. Yeah. I will sell out fast. <laughs> you show me where to sign, homie. <laughs> so. so I, I am a huge seafood guy. There was a, a thing that I've seen online. I would love to, if this was my last day, that's, this is where I would take you with me. Oh. It's called the King's Feast. It's 30 pounds of crustaceans. Oh, $900. Oh, jeez. It's made with the spicy Southwest sauce. It, it, the video itself to show how they make it is at least 10 minutes long and then showing people try to finish it. Supposedly it feeds 16 and I say challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, Sounds wonderful. It does. It does. So, All right. So we're going to wrap up. Thank are. you very much Thank uh, you guys. for coming on the show. Hopefully we have you on again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. It's a Thank lot of fun. Appreciate I appreciate you, the opportunity. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And we are back once again. We Thank are. you, Barzine, for coming out to the Evil Lair, doing an interview with us, and giving us a great interview as well. Hopefully we can have him on the show again sometime. Definitely. Definitely. All right, now to our segments. We have not done this in a while. We got two white lights, question of the week. Yes. And, again, I got a lot of questions. Bane gets a lot of questions, some good, some bad. One question I did receive, and I've been receiving this a lot recently because I removed it from my bio, is how tall am I? Ah, I did see see you post that. Now, it's becoming more of a thing that people are asking how tall I am. And here's here's what they're actually asking. How tall are you? How because, long is your range of motion? Yeah. How tall are you? <laughs> in order in order for this lift to be impressive, you have to be over a certain height. So that's a stupid question in my book. I've been getting that out recently, and people always wonder why, like, you put that in the bio or you put your body weight in your um, like your lifts or something like yep. 600 times three at 175 or something. And everyone's like, why do you do that? No one gives a shit. I'm like, Oh, people do give a shit because they'll bombard oh, your ass in the DMS with how much you weigh or what height you are. Because if you're a certain height and or weight, it's not impressive. So my response is that I am whatever height that makes that lift impressive. So yeah. if you want to think I'm five, eight, Think I'm five eight. If you want to think I'm five two, think I'm five two. Whatever is impressive in your eyes. So that's a question I've been getting a lot recently, and I removed that from my bio. But I got another question, and I get this question a lot, and I think we bought up on the show a lot as well. And I, I guess we just kind of have to reiterate because if I'm on Instagram, if I'm on Facebook or something, or if, like I'm even at the gym, it's hard for me to elaborate on this. People right. always ask. If they're going to their first competition, what is a good total for this weight class? 
what is yes. a good total for that weight class. And the specific one was for the 198 weight class. This person was contemplating getting into a powerlifting competition, wanted to ask me what is a good total to go in with. And if I remember from my last meet, what was the second and third place totals for the 198 weight class? To answer that question, I don't fucking remember because I, I, I can't remember. Because you don't pay attention to that weight class because you're 181. And I don't pay attention to my own weight class as well as the exact totals unless it, like, jumps out at me. If it was, like, a 17-25 total, I'll probably remember that. But right. I, I can't I, I can't remember what 198 weight class was. But I understand where the question is going. Is my total that's going to be 1,300, yada, 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 going to get me a podium position at my local powerlifting meet? Mm -hmm. And my response to this question is always going to be, it doesn't matter. Don't avoid competition. Any total you have is going to be good, especially if you're a beginner in this sport i've said this a lot any fucking total you post at a meet is going to be good all right so any total that you post at a powerlifting meet is going to be a good one especially if you're a beginner especially if it's your first meet you just listened to an interview with barzine and robert bain and they said their totals at a weight class of what 240 through 300 pounds we were, we were actually both raw 242 guys. Yeah. It was 1,300. Yep. 1,300 pound totals. Those two men had a lot of progress in the sport after that meet. Correct. A 1,300 total probably won't be great for 198. Won't be great for 181. But, but here's the thing is it's a total. It is a total that you guys took and you guys ran with it. Now you're at what? Well over 1,700? And yep. Barzine is sixth all time on bench press and posted a twenty five or twenty five fifty or something. A twenty five fifty and he actually didn't mention this during the interview. I wish he had that because of a name misspelling, he actually was number one and two uh in twenty fourteen in in the world in, in the total in uh super heavyweight multiply. Yeah, and uh, he started with a thirteen hundred pound total. You can make progress in the sport. If you're at 198, you can make progress if your total is 1,200, 1,300, 1,400. You're no Jesse Norris. You yeah. ain't the best in the world. You're not going to be top 100. You're not going to be top 200 in the world. But you'll be fine. I do not care, or you should not care, about a plastic trophy you're going to receive at one of these local meets. It's not important. You get nothing aside from maybe an Instagram picture, and even that, no one cares about your Instagram picture either. Don't compete for a plastic trophy. You'll be fine. Correct. And and I hate to, you know, versus bubbles is not a knock on at all, but, you know, we talked about Luke Nall last week. A lot of people following him now. He had a big first meet, all that kind of stuff. One, he's the anomaly, and two, you know what he got for it? About 1,000 followers and a plastic trophy. Yeah, and, there, and there's some, and, but there's, there's, there's great lifters who can, in their first meet, have a really, really great total. Um I, if I'm going to, uh, to my own own here, I had a pretty good total my very first meet where I, you know, broke national records. I won best overall lifter my very first meet, but I still made progress from there, but not as much as progress as other people have made. So longevity in the sport's important right. too, not just a really good exactly. first meet. Um, also, if you're thinking about going down to 181, because you're thinking you'll be more competitive there, 
and you walk around at like 190, don't go down to 181. Compete at 198. Don't weight no. cut your first meet. Um, I'm probably going to go on a rant about weight cutting next week. It might, could be a potential topic, but um, it's that's one of the more frustrating things is seeing beginner powerlifters cutting down to a certain weight class because they'll be quote-unquote more competitive at that weight class especially and considering that whatever meet they're doing isn't necessarily that competitive anyway no it's not and it's it, there's absolutely no reason you know Barzine is as said it best when we talk about other topics run what you're wrong and have fun that is exactly what you should have at your first meet Yes, for sure. So hopefully that answers your question. Hopefully listen to Two White Lights, give you more details, because I believe my only response to a really, really long question that I received on Instagram was, any total at your weight class is a good total. Correct. So that's, all I, that's all I gave him. Got into a little bit more detail with this uh, Two White Lights question of the week. Also, we have a Larry Wheels did something. <laughs> He, he did, but then he undid something. Yeah, he did and undid something. Um, so I posted this super quick on my story only because I myself was just found it bizarre and strange. And mm-hmm. I it, it kind of strengthened my argument that I think Larry Wheels is becoming less of a power lifter, less as a strong, less as a strong man, more less as a strength athlete. And becoming more of an influencer, a social media influencer. Because I, I think yep. I, last week I said, or two weeks ago, he's becoming Supreme Patty. He's becoming Logan Paul. He's becoming one of these people who are just going to places to take pictures to show that they're at these places. You know what I mean? Uh, you, you did. And, and it's funny because I actually mentioned something about that that uh, I was joking with Eric Stone uh, at 2XL Powerlifting and and jokingly said, you know, wheels are four white lights. And, and then we both got into this 20-minute conversation about he basically had a two-year run as a lifter. And you're right. He, he's essentially riding the social media influencer wave now. Yeah, which I guess is fine if that's your goal and you're trying to make money. Um, I'm just probably going to unfollow you. And I was very close. The unfollow button was looking pretty damn attractive uh, on Friday. <laughs> The so, thumb was near is what you're saying. Yeah, I saw that on follow button. I'm like, hmm, might click that. So he posted a video with that fucking annoying Indian guy that I find yes. unfunny. And the video didn't make sense. It's hard for me to describe a video uh, over a podcast. It's like a verbal meme that I'm going to do right now. But the video was that small, strange Indian fellow squatting, did nothing. And then, like, Larry Wheels was spotting him. And then there was a guy under him pushing up from his ass, like, helping him up. Uh, another guy <laughs> with, like, a fan pouring water on his face. Some bimbo twerking, which that part took me completely out of the fucking video. Not that it was funny to begin with, but that part, I'm like, what the fuck is he doing there? How much is he getting paid to be there? This this, this a twerk right. for five seconds. The video, one, I didn't get the joke. I was uh, not understanding it. So I, I always at Larry Wheels because I do think he's a fantastic lifter and I do respect the, the hustle per se, but I, I, it, the, the video is just fucking cringeworthy beyond belief. So I posted on my story, the, the, the cringe is real with this one. You know, I'm at work and then I 
immediately check my phone. I got like five story replies immediately. I'm like, all right, so it's either I'm going to have a bunch of 17 year olds defending their Lord and Savior, <laughs> or I'm going to have a bunch of people yes. agreeing with me. You know, and, and all I said was the cringe is real. A lot of people were like, yeah, uh, I got to unfollow this dude now. Like, this is getting ridiculous. I'm like, oh, shit, not good. And then a lot of people were posting, like, yeah. I don't even get the joke. It's not funny. It's like, I'm all for funny content and that kind of stuff. But it just wasn't, like, funny. It was just so – it's such pandering and just, like, this, this irritating. and uh, it Just this irritating. What's up? Yeah. It, it was a whiff. It, it was not a – if it was a joke, it, it missed the mark on a lot yeah. of levels. Nobody got it. And uh, 15 minutes later, he removed it. So I think he felt the heat, too. And uh, I guess, yeah, yeah like, we're a pretty wise choice there, so I guess he saved a follow, not like he needs my following, but uh, he saved, I think, other powerful I mean, following as well. How else will he stay relevant without us talking about Larry Wheels doing something? Yeah, and I, I, I just, I, I think I had to bring it up this week because I, I, I called it. I called the social media influencer thing, and, like, I really hope he's not going down that route because he's a great power lifter. Uh, good strong man, great strength athlete too. So it's like, is that already fizzling out? Is it I, done? I, Does he not want to compete? Does he not have the competitive edge anymore? Um, and if he's going to be a social media influencer, hell, there's not a powerlifter social media influencer out there who's outrageously strong and very muscular. So he's got that going for him. For now, until somebody else comes in and either is more shredded or or is actually you know hitting more PRs or. Or does all this and competes too? So yeah. Or I mean, just say uh, save that shit for like Bradley Martin or something. He does a decent yeah. job with it, and he doesn't. I don't know. That video is just so cringeworthy. Like I was just hoping yeah. it wasn't going to end up on World Star or anything. Because <laughs> I had to unfollow World Star too. They just post yeah, things I, I don't I've fucking never, get I've anymore. I never followed it because I just I can't. Uh, it sometimes like the things are hilarious. Sometimes it's just great videos of just a street fight or something bizarre happening in public. Other times it's some social media influencer with, you know, an outrageously fake rack and a fake ass, and that's what they post. I'm like, what the fuck am I – like, they're making money right now, and it's pissing me off. So I got to unfollow so yeah. I just don't get more angry throughout the day because it's already, you know, blood boils already just seeing some dumb shit on the internet. But yeah, Larry Wheels yeah. didn't didn't do something. He didn't. And then immediately started post. Well, he did that. And immediately started posting like powerlifting kind of content again. Like, all right. Yep. So I guess he still wants that following from that fan base. He, he learned his lesson. Give him, give he him a shot. He's a young guy. I think he's like 20, <laughs> 23, 24 years old. Something like that, man. Which still just that that angry by itself. Yeah. You can do that, buddy. More power to him. Yeah, for sure. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode of Two White Lights. That is. Be on the lookout for another episode next week, another interview as well. We're getting more guests, and we are we are succumbing to the will of the fans because a lot of the guests you're going to see is from fan requests. So yes. uh, I, I actually forgot to mention this last week, Sergio Luna. That was a, you know, we had two or three fans say that they wanted him on the show. Uh, sure. Listen to that. So the, the guests we're going to have for the next two or three weeks are going to be fan requests as well. And, of course, there are going to be people that we want on the show as well that could probably shed some light on some specific things that you guys want to know. All right, that'll do it for ne- this week. We'll see you guys next week. Deuces.